0: Hello everybody. Welcome. Once again as we continue on in our study right now of the Old Testament. Good for you. You're here. Uh, a lot of you again. This is uh, Genesis 28. Week number 28 of our study. We are uh, working our way through the Old Testament a chapter at a time. Um, it, it, does, it will take like 15 years from what I figure. Uh, so it's a good long study. But the New Testament took five years and it seemed to fly by. So there you go. Just like... So, anyway. You know what's happened in Wednesday nights for a while? Unless Jesus comes back, then that changes everything. <laughs> I don't plan on being here. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, we are working through Genesis together. Remember now when I say this, there's some things I want you to know about Genesis by the time we're done at the end of the year. So, I'll repeat them as often as I can when we get back um, together. Genesis, primarily, four main events and four main characters. Although there's other events and other characters, four main events that you really should remember about Genesis. And uh, so, we do this all the time. Creation, the fall, the flood... The Tower of Babel. Those are the four main events. I say that every week, so eventually you'd be, what are the four main events? There might be a quiz at the end, uh, and you'd know now, so no pressure, but there you go. All right, four main events. Four main characters through the book of Genesis that we, we primarily talk about, and, I, and you might think that I'd miss some in the list, but the four main guys that we talk about are Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. So you might think, well, what about Adam? He should be, he's a character, that's for sure. But as far as the, the thread of the story goes, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And, and that what we're looking for throughout the Old Testament, started in Genesis 3.15, is called the Crimson Thread of Redemption. And you see it from that point in time after the fall, working its way through the cross. It ties everything together. It's a fascinating way to understand the Old Testament and to be looking for that as you see the enemy attacking and all sorts of things and God protecting the whole process. So those are the main sort of things that I want you to hang on to. And uh, we've, we've, uh, we've sort of looked at Abram's life pretty well. Um, Jacob, as we said, was, was uh, 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 Isaac, I mean, was coming to the end. Uh, You know, quickly approaching the end of his life as he understood it. He's still around for the beginning of this chapter, Um, but uh, uh, I said to you last week, you know, what Isaac decided he wanted was he wanted some some of his son Esau's stew, uh, you know, venison meat prepared the way he wanted it, whatever, and Um, He was going to bless him, even though God had said that whole thing, the whole blessing belongs to Jacob. And so there was a deception we saw that took place last week, and Jacob pretended to be Esau. He lied. Um, Rebecca was involved. It was a big mess. And uh, we saw sort of the dysfunction in the family and the consequences of what was going on. And we we spent a lot of time talking about that this week. Well, um, there's some fallout from that whole thing because now Jacob is going to have to take off because Esau wants to kill him. And, and this begins Jacob's journey, and we'll be looking at that um, this week. So what we'll see when we get in the chapter here in a minute, some things that I want to just quickly talk about on this side of the, the, the reading, and then we'll read, and then I'll talk about a little bit on the other side. Um, Esau had married two um, uh, heathen wives. And I, I say that with um, the, the idea is they were not um, from the, the, the clan and the family and the people, of Abraham. They were outside that group, local women. Um, this didn't please Rebecca at all. It caused her problems um, and uh, uh, so this was a big problem and she didn't want Jacob marrying local women and she you know, this was going to be a big deal. So after all this whole fallout had happened in the last chapter that we look at, she sort of uses that as a time to go to Isaac and uh, discuss Jacob's future with him and now that Jacob had the covenant blessing, they knew what that meant, um, it was important that he get to and marry the right woman and uh, not one of the, the local women from Canaan who worshiped, uh, you know, other gods. It was not a good situation. So, uh, Isaac agreed to Rebekah's request and he calls uh, Jacob in uh, to tell him him about their decision. And so Jacob is summoned to his father and, and you know, um, everybody knows what's just happened. It's kind of not even looked about at the moment. It's, you would think that he's being called to be, you know, scolded for the deception. But Isaac doesn't do that. Um, I, I think at some level Isaac probably realized that he had a pretty big part of the whole thing as well. And, and so Isaac speaks kindly to his son and, and sort of gives him another blessing. You're going to see that, like an extra blessing. He's about to go on this journey to um, to the land of their people so he can find uh, a wife that's uh, the the one that's picked out for him from there and uh, and so this time what he gets you'll see it is, is sort of the blessing of Abraham this is the fulfillment of God's promise to bless the earth through Jacob's descendants so important in our threat of redemption that this takes place and what's happening um Esau's response to this whole thing um you know a he he says he wants to kill his brother Jacob. And he also, he's watching what they're doing with the whole wives thing. His, his current wives have caused a lot of issues. And so, you know, he understands they're sending off Jacob to go and marry someone from the family. So he does something different. He, he goes to, Esau decides to get another wife. And this time it's from the family of his uncle, Ishmael. And maybe he thought that would qualify him, but that's not a good, that's not where the family needs to come from either. Remember, I already had the whole Ishmael issue and uh, that's another problem and so Esau just kind of makes the problem worse and adds further to the irritation of what's going on with these whole situations so Jacob you're gonna see he's sent off on a, about a, a 500 mile journey uh, to uh, Haran and um, he, he gets off pretty quick he's fleeing from his angry bro- his very angry brother um, he has a very you know his, un- his future seems unsettled to him certainly um, and all he has now, and this is, this is a turning point for Jacob, what he has now is his father's blessing, and, uh, which is significant. And so um, Jacob is going to, he's leaving home, and God will use this because what happens is Jacob has to become more like, uh, like his family preceding him. And he's got to sort of walk by faith where before he just kind of sat back and let things happen. And so there's a three-day journey to Bethel. Uh, and, and, you know, that we're going to read about that. And those first three days, they're probably pretty scary days because, um, you know, he's got to keep pushing because Esau threatened to come and kill him. And is his brother chasing him? What's going on? He's really kind of leaving home. Um, he wasn't the guy who went out and did the hunting and all those other things. That was Esau. He kind of hung around. And now he's out. On, he's on a big journey. And, uh, um, you know, he's got to figure this out as he go. And yet when he goes to Bethel... Um, he's going to have a very neat encounter with God. And so um, Bethel will be a very special place to Jacob from that time forward. And he has this very significant dream. Um, it's interesting, you'll, when I read the verses, you'll see um, he had a stone for his headpiece, which makes it sound like he was using a rock for a pillow. Um, and, and perhaps he was, but generally what it meant was they kind of would sleep around with a uh, near a rock for sort of for protection, you know, pretty dangerous sleeping out in the middle of the night, uh, especially this time in history. Um, and, and really throughout history, you know, the people often when they went to, they, people were fearful of the darkness and the night and things that would happen at night. I mean, in extreme ways. You can see it in church history in the prayers of the saints and the way that they pray at night is far different from the way they pray at the morning because there's a little measure of God, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have to count on you when we close our eyes and go to sleep here to keep us alive till the morning, <laughs> and we would like for you to do that. And then in the morning, it's like thank you God, you did it, um, because it was a lot of things happened at night and uh, fearful things. So um, he he falls asleep, and he has a dream in which he sees this ladder or stairway with angels going up and down between heaven and earth. And and what he finds out in this dream is that, that he's not alone after all, that God is actually with him. And that the God of Abraham and Isaac is watching over him as well. And, and um, you know, the, the angels that he sees, they're there to watch over and, and uh, sort of guard and serve him in the same process. And then you'll see that Jacob actually saw the Lord above him and heard him speak. This is significant. And again, um, he doesn't, you know, chastise. Uh, Jacob, for the big mess that had just taken place, he actually speaks words of promise to him and assurance to him. And this same God who has cared for his father and his grandfather pledges also now to care for him uh, and to give him the very land that he's, he's, um, uh, which he's, which he's lying on right at the moment in Bethel. And uh, he promises to be present with him in, circ- in all the circumstances that lay before him. And And, um, and this is significant. Because in those days, um, it was thought that when you left your land, you left your little G-God as well. That was kind of sort of in their mind. You'd left left him behind. But the Lord, the capital G-God, um, promised to go with Jacob wherever he went, protect him. And then one day bring him back home again. And, and so no matter what happened, he would accomplish his will in and through Jacob. And, and this is very cool. Uh, and... Um, This promise of God's presence is a a theme that's often repeated in Scripture, and um, that's good for us to know. I like those sort of things, that God is with us, that God's for us, and that God is able to use situations and still bring about the end result that He wants to bring about. I think sometimes we get... I watch people get over-concerned, overly-concerned. about making decisions and, and, you know, it's sort of hitting forks in the road and what do I do and I don't want to miss God and, and certainly we're to pray and we're to ask and we're to seek God, but ultimately once we decide, the amazing thing about God is He'll use whatever we do. Isn't that cool? For me, that's, that doesn't let me just let go of things. I do, pray, you know, really seek after God, but, but God's, even, God's even able to use the mistakes. I like that because I've made so many. Um you'll see in in uh, Jacob's life here that he he continues to make some mistakes, and sometimes there's some consequences, but the overall process is that God is faithful, and God brings about what he's promised to bring about. I like to think of it this way. I think we have a tendency to um, imagine that God has the same sort of problems of, uh, that we do with our finite brain that that we often think that there's a very narrow way to to reach a certain point like you know and yet. There's a, and and while there's obviously an end point in the scripture, we understand that, how it all works out. God is so amazing that he can use any number of situations and still work them to that point. He's not limited like we are. And so, you know, it's not like, oh, I've messed up, I can never get back. Sure you can. You repent and you head back and God's able to do it and he does it. So it's, it's, it's just, you know, God doesn't have to micromanage details. He's so amazing that he just has, those details will work to where they're going to work. And I love that about God and what that's all about, and it's fascinating. Um, And so Jacob's going to wake up from this dream. You're going to see it. And um, he has this sort of, his response is kind of a mixture of fear and surprise. A pretty good sort of response, I think, in that process. And... and, um, and, and he's, it's a very good response when, when you've sort of had an encounter with God. And, um, and that, that what he learns from this time forward is that God will be with him. And that God can meet him anywhere, including this sort of strange place to him at the time, uh, Bethel. Um, which, and Bethel actually means the house of God, which is kind of interesting. Um, but, but sort of the Lord uh, would be his dwelling place, like he is for us. Um, he takes his headpiece at that time, and, and uh, it becomes a pillar Um, To memorialize his experience, not to be worshiped, not as an idol, but just as something they would do as in memory, uh, to remember. And you will see the people of Israel setting these things up. They were never meant to be worshiped, um, but just sort of a a way to remember that encounter and that situation in the process. And and Jacob, uh, that morning, really sort of dedicates himself to the Lord. And uh, he claims the promises that God had made to him um, when I read it, it you, some people will, uh, well i 'll get there i 'll explain that when I read it I, there will be one thing i 'll explain when we get in the scripture about something at the very end um, so so that 's kind of the setup let 's read the verses genesis twenty eight beginning in verse one i 'm going to read out of the NIV you can use whatever translation you want you can follow along in the notes pew Bibles or the screen if that 's working everything should happen that way so Verse 1 Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him and commanded him. I should make a point. Um, I use the older version of the NIV, and the computer has a newer version. So if you see a difference, believe it or not, the NIV has different translations. And I, I'm still like the 1984 job, and the new one came out a year or so ago. There's nothing wrong with it, but I like the old one better. So, everyone, if you see a difference, it's because I'm still stuck in 1984. As my son said to me the other day. But I'm I'm making progress. Okay. Uh, Then he commanded, do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Padan Aram, to the house of your mother's father Bethuel, and take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now live as an alien the land God gave to Abraham. So you can see this is a much better blessing and he's got it figured out and they're on the right track. Then Isaac sent Jacob on his way and he went to Padam Aram to Laban son of Bethuel the Aramean the brother of Rebekah who was the mother of Jacob and Esau now Esau learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him to Pedan Aram to take a wife from there, and that when he blessed him, he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother had gone to Paden uh, Aram. Esau then realized how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father Isaac. So he went to Ishmael and married um, Mahalath, the sister of Naboath, uh, daughter of Ishmael, son of Abraham, in addition to the wives he already had. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel. Though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and, I will, and will give me food and clothes to wear so that I return safe to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. Remember I said I wanted to make a comment that we're in verse 30 which says, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God, um, it's, it's really much more likely that he said since God. Because if if makes it sound like he's making a deal with God, and he doesn't need to make a deal with God, he's already got the blessing of God in his life. So he's saying, in effect, since God has done this, because God has done this, um, then then he will be my God, not like right that moment, not you know. If he does the things he said, then he's going to be my God. That's not what's happening there. So don't read it that way. Some people do, and that's not how it should be read. Uh, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So he makes his commitment to follow God, and uh, don't make it. Please make sure when you see that it's not if you do these things, then I'll do those things. It's because you've done these things, this is my response. That's important. Okay, blessed be the word of the Lord. That was it. Now, so so just now on this side of the scripture, um, there in the beginning, Isaac calls Jacob, and he blesses him, and that's the good. That's a good blessing no deception involved, it's clean, it's what it should be, it's the blessing that, um, you know, of Abraham, it was, the, it was what needed to take place, and, and so, so at least now they've sort of worked through the mess, even though there's consequences, there's a mess, uh, and, and they're, they're getting it straightened out. Um, one of the consequences, I said, he's, you know, got to, he's fearful of his brother wanting to kill him, and he's going to have to leave town now, and really won't see, um, his, his mother again and you know it's a pretty big deal um, because they're all gone by the time he gets back so, uh, so off he goes and, um, and he's going to head out and they want him to go and find a wife from, from uh, um, that part of the family and um, Jacob you know is, is acknowledged as the heir of the promise that we've been reading about in previous chapters so uh, Ishmael once again Isaac's half-brother um, the son of Abraham and Hagar, uh, and, uh, uh, and, you know, Hagar was Sarah's maid You remember that? And so, again, you know what I talked about. After marrying two foreign girls, and now he's finally realized his mother had been upset about this all along. Now he thinks, well, now dad's upset about it, and so he's going to do something about it. Um, but what he does is he just makes matters worse. He, he doesn't figure out what he's supposed to do. He goes to the wrong, another big problem, and, and uh, hoping this will please his parents, and it doesn't. Um, and again, you know, the the mess of just not having clear communication and, uh, you know, Esau really doesn't care too much. Um, and it's kind of late now to care. He's still upset that he didn't get the blessing and big, big mess. So um, Jacob then, what we see, he sort of slips out quietly, um, the, you know, because so he, he's kind of got to go because his brother you know, is, is going to chase him, um, and he doesn't want to be pursued, uh, and you know, he's concerned that that's happening, and so um, he doesn't take the normal uh, road. He, he goes by um, a, a sort of a, a unfrequented path, and so it made the journey longer, and it certainly made it more dangerous at some level, although at least, he, you know, hopefully the brother would go down the more, if he going to get followed, it would happen that way. And so we know from verse 11, this was a, a tough journey, and he finally reaches Bethel, which is about 45 miles from where he started, um, you know, about a three-day journey, and he, finally he, he has to spend the night, and he's sort of in an open field when that happens, and, and, uh, and so God's covenant promise that was given to Abraham and Isaac is, you know, is offered to Jacob here as well. Um, uh, but, but, you know, Jacob wasn't going to make it just on the strength of Abraham and Isaac. He has to have his own relationship with God. Certainly, you guys understand that as well. You know, as, as uh, those of you that are uh, privileged enough to be parents um, and have, have raised kids, you, you know that your, your relationship with God, if you were in relationship with God when you had them, um, can take them to a point. But ultimately, they have to make that decision as well. Um, and I don't know what, you know, some of you were in situations where your parents um, we're on this journey before you, and you had to make your choice um, in the process. So, I, so we all have different experiences. Cause, you know, I've told you, my I had no church experience growing up, none, none, um, not my experience. So, so I came to it myself. Now, my kids have had nothing but. Um, they've grown up in in this. They grew up here in this church, <laughs> uh, um, and and so and yet still, they had to make their own choices. Um, now fortunately they've chosen to follow after God and that makes me extremely happy but there was always their choice to make um, to a point so so it's important that whole thing that happens and, and you know with your own kids just keep praying that you know you've given them what they needed and they'll come around to it and uh, that's a very good thing that's kind of what we hang on to we keep praying for them in the process but every kid is different and has a little different path uh So the the idea is, you know, like God has no grandchildren. Does that make sense? God has children. And we have to get there. We can't get there in in our family, you know, other than they can lead us. And hopefully that's good. But everybody's got to make that decision. And and what we saw in that whole encounter was Isaac, uh, Jacob, making that decision uh, that, that God would be his God as well. And he would follow him. And that was a big deal. Um, Bethel uh, Bethel is about 10 miles uh, north of Jerusalem uh, and at first it, it was a very important center for worship and then it sort of became an idol worship place over time and in fact you'll, we'll read so many years from now when we get to the prophet Hosea that it was, he actually commend, he uh, condemns it for its evil practices so that's its history um, and as I said to you it was important that I made sure that you made that point in verses 20 through 22, that that he wasn't um, bargaining with God, but he was in effect pledging his future to God. Uh, Because you have blessed me, I will follow you. And and God had blessed him, and he was following him. So that was important. You saw that. And um, so he's on this journey now. He's uh, got this 500-mile journey he's going to make, and we're going to watch what happens with him next week when he gets to the family and the uncle and... We're going to watch the uh, the uncle's going to do some deception of his own on Jacob, and Jacob's going to work a long time for uh, for his wives there. And there's going to be a lot of sort of stuff happening. It's kind of fascinating to watch how it happens through the scripture. But our threat of redemption is still running strong, and uh, we've watched that happen. And we've seen you know that some of these people are a mess, and that's okay because we're a mess. And God loves us um, as we continue to walk in Him. That's really all I wanted to talk about tonight. We'll stop it there. If you're watching by video, thank you for doing that. I hope you can join us next time. And uh, we're going to have some prayer time here. Call it a night.